Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Listening to the Tamari Under Show here at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Well, out of a uh, out of several terror attacks over the weekend, one of them was the worst terror attack in maybe a decade, and we'll be talking about that on the show. Also, the Dakar Memorial. For anybody who doesn't know what the Dakar was, it was a submarine, an Israeli submarine that went missing. All of the crew on board gone. Uh, American Dread, Ukraine reality after a year, and Juniper Oak 2023 was a charade. And we'll tell you what that's all about. It has to do with the United States and Israel as well. So I want to uh, welcome our guest, which is Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. He's a researcher, former lecturer at Ben-Gurion University. He's authored over 90 books. Hello? Yes. Was that a question? Yes. 90, because I still have written here 80. i got to change that. <laughs> 90 books and 400 research papers on science, history, and more. He commentates on Mideast and world issues. Welcome to the show, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. Thank you. All right. So let's start out with the top story here in Israel, and that is the slew of terror attacks that took place over the weekend. Some of them unsuccessful. Thank God uh, that he protected us. Where would you like to start? I think we need to look at something like this very much top down and not um, not bottom up. I mean, clearly, each individual attack has its uh, significance and importance, but we need to understand what was really going on here. Somebody really coordinated things very, very well, and it's a massive coordination. This is not a trivial thing that happened here. At the same time that this terrorist started murdering people at the synagogue in Jerusalem, um, uh, in North Jerusalem, by the way, those people in, in, in the in the so-called media that keep on calling it East Jerusalem are simply incorrect. It's North Jerusalem. It's not in the East at all. At the same time as he was, and he was murdering people in North Jerusalem, there was a, a riot in a neighboring Arab uh, neighborhood to distract the police. At the same time that these two things are going on, a terrorist opened fire in Jerusalem, and at the same time that these things were going on, rockets were fired from Gaza. Well, this is very serious. What's serious here is not, I mean, obviously, the terrorist attack with seven people murdered is horrible and is very serious. But much more serious was the fact that somebody was coordinating these activities. This is difficult to coordinate. This is not, this is not something that can be trivially done. We're talking about coordination on a massive scale that we've never seen before from the Palestinians. This is the biggest, the big story. I mean, it's unfortunate that I have to say that something is bigger than people being murdered, but a much bigger story was the coordination, was the fact that these people um, were capable of doing something on such a massive scale. That's never happened before, ever. 
So let's uh, let's mention here that in the terror attack that took place in the Jerusalem neighborhood of Neve Yaakov on Friday night, around 8, a little after 8 p.m., I think it was, where the seven people were killed. I think another three were injured. From, I, I'm not sure how many more were injured from that. And yes, are in the, the hospital. The number is three. You're correct. Three. Okay. And uh, and then there was another attack the next uh, day, the next mor- late morning, I believe it was, uh, in Ir David, the city of David, in the old city of Jerusalem, and that was with a 13 year old Arab that took out a handgun and started shooting people, almost point blank. Shot a father and his son. His son was a uh, officer in the IDF. Is is right? Is an officer in the IDF, and he was shot in the stomach twice, I believe, and he was still able to get uh, to hit the terrorist with one of with with his own gun against the terrorist, even though he was already wounded. This is a a spectacular story. But the that the fact that he was thirteen years old is very important, and I want to add here that as I'm watching the news and watching the talking heads and, and listening to the reporters, one of them was saying that he's on all of these uh, WhatsApp lists of Arabs. And a lot of the talk back there, the comments in this group, were of young Arab teens who were saying that they cannot wait to be the next Shahid the next terrorist, basically the next martyr, and uh, and this is what's this is what is going on right now. And well, I, th- I think the reason there's a reason behind that. So if now it, it's impossible, particularly considering Arab culture, to conceive of a case where a, a 13 year old takes that as his at his own initiative. This was initiated at least in some manner by his parents. So as far as I'm concerned, they're, they're not talking about finally passing a law that anyone who is a, a terrorist uh, immediately loses his Israeli citizenship. I think it should go much farther than that. But certainly in the case of a minor, not only should the entire family lose its citizenship, but they should be thrown out of the country. They, they clearly don't want to be here. They're clearly traitors. Well, yes, and murderers, literally murderers, also right. Well, you know, yeah, I've heard only, people. Only the, only the kid is the actual murderer. You can't, can, you can't accuse the father of being a murderer. He didn't murder. But you can con- 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 convict him of being, of being a uh, 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 horrible parent who who trained his child to to be a murderer. Not just trained, perhaps groomed. Whatever the point is, I've and this is talk that I've heard that some people here are saying that if a terror attack, like uh, you know, happen if any terror attack happens again, the entire family, maybe even the village or the mosque and and its members, whatever, should be rounded up, thrown into prison, and not let out until they sign. Okay, they say, oh, you want to leave? You want to get out of prison? Sign this form that you are uh, going to leave the country, and you can have your freedom. Go live anywhere well, you want in the world. That's not quite so simple because, if you recall, when Isaac Shamir was was prime minister, he tried to do exactly that, and four hundred uh, people were uh, ejected from Israel, 
And unfortunately, our uh, marvelous um, uh, uh, Supreme Court of Injustice um, um, uh, demanded that they all be returned. So until we fix the the, the Supreme the, Court here, the criminals who are who claim to be judges, I'm sorry to have to say that. Until we fix these people, this is this uh, uh, establishment that has no conception of either justice or human or or human rights. Um, simply, you don't have the capability of doing that. Okay, I don't know if you can call the Supreme Court criminals. You can call them leftists. You can call them perhaps perhaps having an agenda, and and you should say that that's your opinion. <laughs> okay, look, let, 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 me put, let me put it this way, okay? Let, let's put it in uh, what, what we call a, 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 a mental exercise. If somebody comes along in front of a, a, a court and he has 200 prior convictions for um, a speeding and he comes in front of the judge and uh, the, uh, the judge says, oh, well, you were speeding, but that's okay. Is that judge, does that judge share in the guilt of this person? I, I would say that he does. I would say that that judge is a criminal. He's ignoring the most basic concept of justice, which is protecting the public from, from a public enemy. From okay, a public- so we'll leave the Supreme Court there for now because I want to talk about the terror attacks and, what, and what's happening. We only have two more minutes until we get out of this segment here. I, I want to say that, uh, and I think that you'll agree with me, that with uh, all of the promises made by our new internal security minister, Itamar Ben-Gvir, who everyone's saying there's a new sheriff in town now, things are going to be different, and things are, are I have to admit, are a little bit different in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the sense that uh, when he was giving his interviews, he was incensed. Number one, the thing I do like about Itamar Ben-Gvir is he goes to the scene. You, you, very rarely do you see politicians in Israel anymore. They used to, but not anymore. Go to the scene to where the people are and, and hear what they have to say, even if it's yelling and screaming and criticism against them. He goes. He got up even from his Shabbat meal, his Sabbath meal, and went to see, and he witnessed the bodies. He saw the, the scene of the terror attack that was in Neve Yaakov in, in North Jerusalem. I, I think you're not placing, placing sufficient emphasis on what he did. And as you know, I don't particularly care for the for the man personally, but that that doesn't uh, uh, change what he did. Um, he got up from Shabbat, which is something which is not permitted under normal circumstances. It's only permitted under circumstances of saving lives. So he did something which was an extraordinary act in and of itself. Not only did he go, but he went and left his family on Shabbat. This is a big and guess right. He left his family and his guests. So I, I just want to say here, so he was saying that no more, it cannot be that he met with the prime minister. He, I think he said he, if I'm not mistaken, met with uh, people in the Supreme Court, judge, with judges, etc. that immediately the house of the terrorist should be sealed, meaning that the family should be taken out of the home. The house should be, the door should be welded shut. And then it should go for uh, in the proper legal uh, procedure for demolition if he's proved guilty, which we know he's guilty. He was shot. He was at the scene, whatever. But there would be the proper legal things. And he says that these things take too long and it should be done immediately. And indeed, the very next morning, the uh, house was sealed. And today, demolitions 
are taking place. I assume they're of other terror attacks that haven't been done yet. We're going to be right back, everybody. Don't go anywhere. Warning. Take cover. The Jewish Truth Bomb is here. The show that will explode all the false narratives and fake news. Join host Lenny Goldberg each week as he wires the news together and detonates it through biblical verses that will deliver a shockwave that will blow you away. Don't miss it. The Jewish Truth Bomb. Every Monday. One minute of Torah. The Jews, free at last from Egyptian slavery, barely have time to enjoy their freedom when Pharaoh starts chasing after them in this week's Torah portion of Bishalach. Will their troubles never cease? Why this additional attack on our people? Why can't the Jews be left alone at last? In fright, the Jews cry out to God, begging him to save them, and he does. The Midrash explains that this was the reason that God had Pharaoh threaten the Jews, in order to bring them closer to him in prayer. Very often, when things are going well for us, we stay content in our little bubble and don't put in any effort to grow in our connection with God. It's only when we are in danger of some sorts do we suddenly awaken, calling out to God and improving our behavior in all sorts of ways. Now, we mustn't ever ask for troubles and never do we pray for challenges. Yet, if God does send them, let's not waste the opportunity, but rather let it urge us to dig within ourselves to find new strengths we didn't know we had, coming closer to God and making the world a better place. With your Eintraman of Torah, this is Chava Zekavich. Israel News Talk Radio, straight talk from Israel. All right, we are back here at Israel News Talk Radio. This is the Tamar Yona Show, and I'm speaking with Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem, and we're going over the details of the series of terror attacks that took place over the weekend. We didn't even mention the rocket attacks that took place. I think that was Thursday evening, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I wanted to end with saying that even with the quote-unquote new sheriff in town, meaning that uh, Itamar Ben-Gvir is now the internal uh, police defense minister for the country, um, he uh, is uh, speeding up the uh, pro- the due process of uh, what's the word I'm looking for to dissuade terrorists from committing crimes by sealing the house that he that he lived in by giving demolition orders for that for the for the houses as well uh, all legally in due process with due process I should say but. Even with all of this, 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 this is, in my opinion, not going to solve the problem because that's not what the problem is. We're talking about idealistic people who want to see the destruction of Israel. And I'll repeat again what I said last time, and then you can weigh in, Dr. Mordechai ben Menachem, where one of the reporters on uh, television was saying how he is in WhatsApp groups of Arabs and all of these young 
Arabs are saying that they cannot. They, first of all, they were they, they were giving out candies and and shooting fireworks in the Palestinian Authority and in Gaza when they heard about these terror attacks and dead and Jews. Nine eleven as well. It's not just they did it nine eleven as well. That's right. And for America, they were handing out candies and honking their horns and cheering when Americans were jumping out of the windows of the Twin Towers. And they did it again now for this terror attack also. And uh, these these young men on the WhatsApp were saying, I cannot wait to be the next Shahid, the next uh, martyr, the next uh, terrorist. So well, I, I think the, the I think the key concept here is the concept of Shahid. Basically, they're saying that they view this whole issue as a religious issue. So the, the way to solve that is to make it not a religious issue. In other words, to say, OK. You think you're going to be a shahid? Well, your body will never, never be returned to your to your family, and it will be buried in wrapped in the skin of a pig. So you will never be a martyr. You will never go to heaven. You'll never get your forty-two virgins. Never seventy-two virgins. And 72 I, I, I want to say here that this is not what the Jews did. This is what the British, the proper cultured British, did. They would wrap. No, no. You want, you want, you, well, you're right. It's British. But it was way before that. You know who started that? That was Richard Lionheart, Richard III. He actually, and I'm sorry if people get annoyed when I say this, he ate his Arab adversaries. He ate their flesh. Because if somebody eats the flesh of a potential Shahid, he doesn't go to heaven. So they ate the Arabs. I, th- I, I, I never heard that before, but I, I have heard of other cultures eating their enemies, and it shows their superiority over their enemies. But okay, it's not okay. just superiority. This is a, this was this he, he did that because he was aware. I'm certainly not condoning it. I'm not saying that this is something that the way it should be done. Of course, he was aware that that would prevent them from being a shaheed. I think we should do it in a, in a, in a much more sensible manner. I, 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 uh, I would imagine there was <laughs> that it had some effect because it's, it's a disgusting, horrible, terrible thing. All right. So all of these, my point is that all of these things, even if you seal their home and even if you demolish it and you show them, you know, that there's a new sheriff in town, this is not, it's a Band-Aid basically because we already see that there are others waiting in line now to be the next Shahid the next terrorist to kill well, Jews. Destroying their home is meant to to make their families uncomfortable, not them. They're dead. Sometimes yes, sometimes no, but yes, that's true. So yes, okay. you're right because the the perhaps the parents or the father especially will not want to lose his home that he's worked so hard for. And he would dissuade his children from joining these terror groups, joining Hamas youth, joining the PLO youth, <coughs> joining uh, the Islamic Jihad youth. I mean, this is how they get started. Sure. And by the way, the, uh, uh, the vast majority of them, uh, I'm sorry to disagree with you on this, have not worked hard for their houses. They've gotten them from UNRWA. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Some of them, maybe. I, so, I, I don't know how. I don't know how they get their houses. These, these, these parasites <laughs> have been living off hand, handouts from the from the Americans and Europeans for the past seventy years, 
And now you're going to take away their livelihood. Well, I think that's more of the Arabs. Maybe they're living in the Palestinian Authority and Gaza, but the ones that are 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 living in in under Israeli jurisdiction here in whatever. I don't know how people where? got their houses. Where? I assume that some people did pay and work hard for their houses, Arab or not, whatever. Okay, so let's so let's move on. So, do you see if you if you were the uh, in charge, if you had political power, what would you do differently, uh, or would you not do differently than uh, what we're seeing happening today? Well, I, I can't say what I would do. I can't say what I would attempt to do. Okay, I mean, there's a, there's an enormous. Uh, uh, this is a state. A state has uh, 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 institutions, but I would examine the issue or the concept of um, uh, preventing the bodies from being. Um, uh, uh, buried by their family, prevent them from conducting a a a, 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 a holiday atmosphere of a funeral, and I would make certain that the body was buried in such a manner that it could not be a shahid, it could not be a religious martyr. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now yes, I don't know if that's like legal or not legal. I'm not a legal scholar, and I certainly don't know if that's possible. But I would certainly examine that issue. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. That could help. But you know what? It all comes down to that the Jewish people, I'm going to bring religion in here because that's what we're, we're Jewish people. When the Jewish people do not listen to God, when they do not listen to the Torah, when they run after the nations and want to be like all the other nations, we get hit because God reminds us that we're not like all the other nations. And that's, and that's what we're, that's what we're doing here. What did God say when we came into the land of Israel? He said, drive out the enemy, drive them out. And I want to let people know here that when we go to war and, and you read about it in in the book of judges, we always left an escape route for the enemy to be able to run out with their families and make a nice life someplace else. We weren't looking to make a bloodbath. So and that's, um, it's not just uh, judges; it's also in, and Joshua and it's other and, and the kings as well. Yes, yes you're absolutely yes. right. <coughs> Excuse me, I should have said Joshua, right? Because that's before judges, even right? Okay, so and and we didn't do it. And in fact, not only did we not drive out the enemies who wanted to kill us and slit our throats, and they started the war. We we wanted to live in peace with them. Not only that. But we, when when some of these Arabs ran out because they thought, oh, no, now the Jews are really going to kill us because we started the war. We're killing them and now they're winning. They're going to want revenge. What did we do? The leftists in Israel, they went, Moshe Dayan, brought them back, said, come back, come home. We're really nice people. Love us. That's what we did. And now we're, we're suffering from this. All right. Next topic. Where do you want to go? Okay, uh, I, I want to mention the Dakar, the Dakar, as you, as you said at the beginning, a submarine that went down in 1969 on its way back from a uh, uh, from Europe. Um, it had a crew of 69 people, all of whom died. To this day, nobody in the public knows exactly what happened. Um, all we know is that the submarine went down under very mysterious circumstances, um, and no one has admitted to having sunk it. There was no indication at all of any technical problem from the time when it left Europe to the point where it went down. Well, a huge so, tragedy for Israel. Not, people not knowing whatever happened to their sons that were on uh, aboard the, the submarine. Just terrible. Keep going. A terrible thing. Um, I have my personal beliefs. I think I can support these beliefs. I do not 
um, have any solid evidence to support them, but I believe there is circumstantial evidence to support the idea that the submarine was sunk by the U.S. Navy as uh, retaliation for the, uh, uh, the um, uh, shelling of the Liberty in the Six-Day War. And by the way, I understand that the Liberty, the USS Liberty, was feeding information to Egypt about Israel's coordinations, where they were, etc. And that is why, if Israel hit them, that's why they did, to stop that uh, communication. And and America was supposed to be an ally, by the way, right? So this was a very terrible thing. Well, at that time, America was not really an official ally. They were supposed to be an ally. (laughs) Okay, let's go. Next. Okay. Uh, the next, uh, I, I, I defined a, a, a subject which I called American Dread, um, uh, um, uh, and I want to talk a little bit, uh, we don't have a lot of time to talk about it, unfortunately, but I want to talk a little bit about the the um, mass shootings, that's, if that's a real term that can be used, that are happening across the United States. Um, in 23 days... 36 people were killed in mass shootings throughout the United States. 23 days. In other words, more than uh, um, um, one, one a day. Now, this is after, for all of 2022, 647 people were killed in America in these so-called mass shootings. I, I, want, I want to contend, I want to submit that the ultimate human right is the right to be alive. And if America is going to continue to uh, um, um, uh, 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 tell other countries that they know what human rights are, and they're the only ones who really know what human rights are, and all of us, um, us natives, don't really understand human rights, well, put your house in order before you tell us what to do, because your house is far, far from Millions of people around the world suffer with diabetes. The condition requires the patients monitor their diet and blood sugar levels daily, and many have to take insulin. An Israeli biotech company called Kadima Stem is working on introducing a technology platform for the development, manufacturing, and biobanking of functional human cells, providing off-the-shelf treatment for people who are insulin-dependent, including type 1 diabetics. The vision is to create a product that replaces the function of the pancreas, including insulin-producing pancreatic cells without the need for suppressing the immune system. The Board of Governors of the Israel-U.S. Binational Industrial Research and Development Foundation is helping to fund the project, could save lives and improve the lifestyle of insulin-dependent diabetics. For more information on the high-tech world today, visit IsraelTechTalk.com. With your INTR Tech Minute, I'm Bob Aiello. Hello, listeners. My name is Gila Perach Hirsch, and I live in Israel, and I love it here because in Israel, I can feel the hand of God brushing my cheek. Hi, my name is Arnie. I'm from Jerusalem, and I love Israel because it's my happy place. My name is Hannah. What Israel represents for me, freedom to be who I am, and all the other amazing things that small country had accomplished. It just makes me so proud. Thank you, Israel. Hi, my name is Morris Klein from Melbourne, Australia, and I love Israel because I'm Yisrael Chai. 
Hi, this is Michal from London originally, Nanatania. The reason I love Israel, I would probably say Israel, where every Jew feels at home. Hello, this is Harold from Jerusalem, Israel. I love living in Israel because my inside life and my outside life are one and the same, and they blend smoothly and uniformly with each other. We're back here at the Tamar Yonah Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. I'm speaking with Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem, who commentates on Mideast and world issues. And we have covered the string of terror attacks that took place over the long weekend. And uh, we talked about the Dakar Memorial, which was the a submarine uh, many years ago. How long ago was it? Was it in the 70s? 1969. 60s. Okay, so 69. That uh, sunk. We never knew... What happened to? We only found it uh, the last few years. I think we didn't even Correct. know where, we we didn't, we didn't even know where it sunk, and it was uh, all those uh, young men on board. It was a terrible tragedy for Israel. Um, you have some other topics here you wanted to talk about. American dread. Did you get to that? We st- we began to talk about it. You're I, talking I, I about the that, that shootings. More pe- more people are killed in America per capita, not in absolute numbers, than in Iran. In other words, America in actual numbers, has actually a worse human right, rights record than does Iran. I, I'm, that, that's a horrible thing for me to say. I don't want to say that. But that's the numbers. That's the, that's the numbers that we're seeing. 647 people killed in the United States in just in mass shootings in 2022. And how many people total? More than America... In three cities in the United States, the United States lost more people in one year than it lost in 20 years in Afghanistan. Hmm. That's a human rights issue. It's not a gun issue. It's not an issue of can people have guns. It's not a Second Amendment issue. It's a human rights issue. If you're not educating your population to respect one another, to respect human rights, to respect human life, and there's something wrong with your society. Oh, there's something wrong now. I mean, they're not even uh, teaching people to respect not stealing. You can go into stores and steal anything under a thousand bucks. You don't go to jail, and you can steal whatever you want, and they don't even stop you anymore. And stores are closing down now. The stealing okay. has become terrible. In, in, 2020, in 2020, there were 570 riots throughout the United States. Not one person, not a single person was arrested or tried for those riots. 570 riots. That's chaos. Where businesses were burned, neighborhoods were destroyed. And these were <laughs> these Black Lives Matters, this organization that with, with, with from enormous chutzpah calls itself Black Lives Matters are hurting primarily black, are hurting blacks. It's, I I I, yeah. I thank God I just heard a, a a an interview with I'm certain of, I'm not certain if I'm cr- pronouncing the name correctly I apologize Alvila King the the niece of Dr Martin Luther King um uh, uh, who I consider to be one of the greatest Americans that ever lived she was interviewed about this horrible video of that young man that was that was trod upon to death by those five police officers. 
And she spoke in such a cultured, intelligent, well-spoken manner. It was such a honor and pleasure to listen to what she said. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'll submit that Americans need to wake up and... No, you cannot live in fear. We often just need to be prepared. That's not sufficient. That was, that was a statement made by um, a, a senior... Okay, hold everybody. I'm trying to get Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem back. Okay, while we're waiting for Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem, we're going to go to a caller. We have joining us Antonio from the east coast of the United States. Shalom, Antonio. What is your comment or question for us? I'd like to add to it. Um, I think it's important that we have to look at the, the head of the United States. They're like, we. The, United, the president, Congress, senators, and individuals, they appease those kind of behavior in the past and in present. So those kind of negative and corrupt and destructive um, behaviors came back to visit, revisit. And I don't know how it's going to, how it's, it's going to stop it. And that the thing is that America decided to go and go woke and um, take out Hashem out of the country and so forth, God forbid. But, you know, you see, like when Nancy Pelosi, for example, her husband got um, violated and so forth, I do feel sorry for the man. But in a sense, in another way, I don't feel sorry for her. Because when those activities of burned down homes and businesses and violent, violent behavior, she looked the other way. So how, how am I or anyone supposed to feel sorry for something like that a situation like that so i don't know i I just don't know but it's the head of um the country those heads that's all i have to say i want to thank you for your call thank you very much okay Thank you. And I want to remind everybody else that our numbers are on the top of our homepage at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com if you want to call in and weigh in on the issue. We're still trying to get Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem back on with us. And in the meantime, you know what? Let me just uh, see if I can fiddle with something here. All right. So there was something else that happened, uh, I think it was a week or two ago, that I I did want to talk to you all about, and I just never got around to it. So I'm going to take the time here while we're waiting for Dr. Mordechai Ben Ben Menachem to get back with us. Looks like the internet is down. Uh, I want to share this with you. About two weeks ago, maybe, the Hamas brought out a video of an Israeli citizen named Avram Mengustu, and he, okay, and uh, let me just get Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem on here. And he, um, he has been kidnapped. He wandered in by accident into Gaza and the Hamas, and the Hamas uh, captured him and has been holding him for years already. And the Hamas does not let the Red Cross come in and check the uh, the their kidnap uh, victims. We never know if they're alive, if they're not alive, their conditions, etc. They are very cruel and vile. I don't even want to call them people terrorists. I'll just call them terrorists. That they 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 people have families, 
and these families are not knowing what's the fate of their children that are kidnapped by the Hamas. And Avram Mengustu is an Ethiopian. He's a black Jew who has been held captive by the Hamas for years. Finally, a video came out with him talking, and you see that he's alive. And the the um, I'm just trying to get Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem on. Um, the video came out showing that he was alive, and Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu got up on the news, and he said, "This just goes to prove how, that." Everything that we, all the information we had regarding uh, Avram Mengistu uh, is correct. So he's kind of like, you know, um, applauding himself, saying that our information, our intelligence is very good. And I'm basically, he says, I'm, I'm telling the Hamas that his fate, Avram Mengistu's fate, is in your hands. And when I heard that, I was incensed. I was furious because I'm thinking, we are Jews. We are supposed to, we are supposed to, um, just one moment. We are supposed to be caring for each other. And we don't leave our people and our people's fate in the hands of our enemies that want to kill them and want to torture them and want and just get pleasure from spilling Jewish blood. No, Mr. Prime Minister, we do not leave. His fate is not in the hands of these terrorists. His fate is in our hands. Why? Because we are stronger militarily. We are stronger in every way. And if we had the oomph and desire to not tolerate his being captive and our other soldiers' bodies who are still being held by the Hamas and there's no closure for the families of uh, Aron Shaul and uh, I, for- I forgot the other, I- I'm so sorry, I think it's Goldstein or, or Gold something. I-, I-, I apologize that I don't remember the other soldiers' names, but their bodies are still being held by the Hamas and their parents do not have any, any uh, closure at all to be able to just go to a place to be able to visit the body of their sons to a grave. And they're being held by these animals, not even animals, these, these disgusting, vile, terrible terrorists that our government doesn't go in and make their lives miserable. See, we don't have to send in boots on the ground. We just make their lives miserable. Don't let them have all of these things going into Gaza. All of the candies and the cigarettes and electricity that we supply them and all of these other perks that they have make their lives miserable so that the population themselves are going to be screaming at the Hamas, give them back their people and enough of this. 
There are ways we can do it. I'm not going to go into everything now. There are ways from the air, and, and there's all sorts of ways to do it. But the fact that we leave these people in their hands when we have the ability to drive them out, to me, is a chilul Hashem. It is a desecration of God's name. To me, when I hear about these terror attacks over the weekend where they shoot rockets at our civilian populations. Remember, they're not shooting these rockets at soldiers at another military target. They're shooting them at civilians, at men, women, children, babies, hospitals, kindergartens. This is the worst type of vile people that exist on this earth. And they do this whenever they want. Let's shoot a missile at Israel. Let's shoot 10 missiles at Israel. Let's go and make terror attacks and slaughter their children and slaughter them in their synagogues, in their kindergartens, in their shops, on the street, etc. That they do this whenever they want to the children of Israel, to the Jewish people who have gone through a Holocaust, who have gone through all of these things, that, that we give them that ability that whenever they want, they just open fire against our people is a sin. It is a terrible, terrible thing that we let happen because we want to please the world and show them how tolerant we are and how much we want peace and what good people we are. No, you have a terrorist, viperous, viper den in your backyard like Gaza, like the Palestinian Authority in the heart of your country. You wipe it out. You don't be kind to the cruel because then you become cruel to the kind. It is in our power to, dis- to let, and the Palestinian Authority is about to collapse and implode on itself anyway. But we keep pumping it, pumping it with life to keep it going because we don't want to have to deal with all of these Arabs We don't have to deal with what the world's going to say if we go back in there and bring in law and order that would help the Arabs, the good Arabs who are there, who just want to live peaceful lives, who aren't looking to kill Jews. And let me remind you, there are Arabs that help Israel. How do we get so much of our information? Because they let us know they're in these organizations or their neighbors of these people who are in organizations, they hear what's going on. They tell us because they hate these people too. And if you want justice, if you want peace, if you want a good life for all good people, we cannot let these terrorists and these vipers infest us. We cannot tolerate it. And that is our fault, in my opinion. We need to do the right thing and not look to please a world that constantly votes against Israel, that constantly tries to uh, eliminate us by giving money and support to our enemies. And we tolerate it. Why? It's a lack of love, of enough love of enough love. It's lack of enough love for our fellow Jew. And as long as we tolerate these terrorists in our midst, there is going to be a lineup of young Arab teens who cannot wait to be the next Shahid. All of these things that the new 
minister of the uh, of uh, of the police and the interior security of Israel. All that he's doing, he's trying to do within the law. But the laws need to be changed because we cannot tolerate this. All right, we have Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem back with us. Yes, we do. Take it away. I need to <laughs> take a drink of water. <laughs> okay, let's let's go, let's go on and talk a little bit about Ukraine for a moment, since that's something that affects all of us. We all need to know what's going on there. Um, Adam Crichton, a uh, journalist from Australia who reports from Washington, made a statement that I found very interesting um, this past week. I'm quoting, For almost a year we've read how Vladimir Putin is on the verge of death and Russia, enfeebled by Western sanctions, is about to collapse. None of this has happened. For all the billions spent and lives lost and as precious little evidence it will. End quote. Um, Ukraine has lost in more than nine months, more than three times what the United States lost in Vietnam in all of the years it was there. Over 157,000 dead Ukrainian soldiers. That's a tragedy. That's a horrible, horrible tragedy. And it's a tragedy, tragedy perpetrated upon Ukraine by the Biden administration. Not by Vladimir Putin. I don't like Vladimir Putin. I have nothing to say about, the, to protect Vladimir Putin. Nor does he need me to protect him. <clears throat> but if you actually look at the facts and not the lies and propaganda perpetrated upon people by the, by the American government and by the Western governments, you, you can't help but notice that the Russians really do believe that they are fighting a war of protection, a war of defense. You can disagree with them. That's legitimate. So one can always disagree, but that's what they believe they're doing. After 18,000 ethnic Russians were murdered by the Ukrainians between 2014 and 2022. 18,000 Russians. And by the way, 50,000 Jews were murdered in Ukraine after World War II, after World War II, after the end of the Holocaust. 50,000 Jews murdered by Ukrainians. And they're still voting against us in the UN today. After oh, yes, we course. give them help. After we sure. help them. Just crazy. Now, okay. Now, in terms of economics, Russian economy is much stronger today than it was before the war. Again, there are still analysts out there, some of whom I admire on, on, on a basic level. And I've mentioned, for instance, many times over, this, over, the, over, the, over the years, uh, Peter Zehan. Um, he's wrong. He's simply presenting data which is incorrect. The Russian economy is quite healthy today. The Russian oil and gas sectors are healthy today. It is not true, with all due respect, that only Western technicians can pump oil out of Siberia, and the Russians do not have the capability. It appears that that's simply untrue. We need to know what's, we need to understand what's really going on in Ukraine. Ukraine is on the verge of collapse. The, the, re, the recent news that 
um, some 50 plus tanks are being sent to Ukraine of three different types, at least, demanding horrible logistical um, uh, infrastructure, which does not exist. These tanks will just be destroyed. They will be moving coffins. That's all they will be. Hmm. I don't know how many people that are listening to us understand what a tank is, but on a normal, in, under normal circumstances, a, 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 the people that are manning U.S. Abrams tanks, the, 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 the most advanced tank that the United States has and the tank that they are sending to the Ukraine, it takes 22 weeks to train somebody to use the tank. And that's only for the basic persons, not the commander of the tank, which needs clearly much more training. So these tanks are going to be shipped to Ukraine right now, and they will be put into use by people who don't really know how to use them. Certainly people do not know how to maintain them. They will be moving coffins. There's nothing that they will do that can affect the fighting at all except to cause the Russians to chuckle, frankly. They, this is a horrible, terrible gesture, putting up a, a, an enormous additional financial burden on Western taxpayers, both in uh, the uh, United States and in Europe, and totally unjustified. So why is the United States doing it then, in your opinion? Oh, I, I think it's very clear. The, the, the expression, follow the money. The biggest donators to the to the Democrat Party are the so-called military-industrial complex. They're making billions and billions and billions of dollars. And by the way, this is very relevant for Israel because these same people are preventing peace in the Middle East. We know how to make peace in the Middle East. We began it with the with the Abraham Accords, and we we know how to do it. We we can do it with the with the with the with the Arabs that live in in the side inside the land of Israel, whether in area uh, 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 A, B, and C, or in area within the country of Israel. We can make peace with them, as you said. The vast vast majority of them are simply good people that want to live a life. I mean, before there was a peace process, I roamed around personally to all of these Arab cities. It was peace. It was it was pleasant. There were good people. We we spoke. We ate together. We 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 we, we spoke with one another. We did business together. They were fine. This was before there was a peace process. The peace process has been a disaster for everybody, for the Arabs and for the Jews. And these are the same people that are promoting war in Ukraine, are promoting war here in the Middle East. And everybody knows it today. There are no no longer secrets. Everyone in the Middle East knows that the United States is heavily invested in maintaining a state of chaos. And will do everything possible to prevent peace between between Israel and its so-called Palestinian neighbors. If the United States State Department wanted peace, we could do it within two weeks. And I had a meeting just this this morning with someone who's involved in that and can would help help to facilitate this. Someone very senior in that in that um, process, process being prevented 
and impeded by the United States State Department intentionally. And I'm saying this from real knowledge, firsthand knowledge, speaking with the parties involved, many of whom are very close friends of mine. And by the way, some are Jews and some are Arabs. So if we want to have peace, you have to intend to, to have peace. That's the only way. And that's true in the Middle East. That's true in, 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 in Eastern Europe. That's true anywhere. Peace is not made by the manufacturers of weapons. Peace is made by people who want peace. Manufacturers of weapons, I agree that clearly the only way to peace is, for, is to be strong enough to prevent, to prevent war. But that means you have to prevent war and not foment war. And that's where we are today. All right. Uh, did you talk about Juniper Oak? No, I didn't. We don't Explain. have time for that. We have another six minutes, if you want. Okay. But let's talk about. Let's talk a little bit about Juniper Oak. And Juniper explain Oak to our listeners what that is. Annual um, uh, um, uh, um, uh, military exercise, joint military exercise between the United States and Israel. It took place this week, uh, this past week. Um, it was the largest of its kind that has ever been conducted, and the um, uh, the 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 the, the, so the imitation journalists all said this is a warning to Iran. I assure the nobody in Iran uh, could care less about this kind of a warning. Um, Iran International reported that Iran International is a is the official Iranian international news um, uh, arm. Reported that over the past two months, U.S. Special Envoy for Iran, Robert Malley, a well-known and well-documented hater of Israel, met three times with Iran's U.S. Ambassador Saeed Irovani. And last to comment on the report, the State Department refused to deny it. Iran's Foreign Ministry spokesman Nasser Kanani said the absence of formal negotiation on the revival of the deal does not mean the absence of interactions or message exchanges among the parties to the nuclear talks. Pardon me, that was a quote, and I forgot to mention that was a quote. Kanani said that EU foreign policy chief Joseph Borrell, a known Israel hater and, and anti-Semite, is the conduit for discussions between the U.S. and Iran. And it was him who refused this past week this past week, just days ago, to sanction the uh, Iranian um, uh, um, uh, Revolutionary Guard Corps, the international um, uh, terrorist organization uh, 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 controlled by um, uh, the Iranian so-called uh, uh, supreme leader. So Juniper Oak was a charade. It was all a charade. Nobody in Israel really believes that if, God forbid, a war breaks out between Israel and Iran, the United States will do more than fart. Oh, that was so eloquent. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, that's life. Well, we saw, you know, uh, at, we discussed this before several months ago, that after the fiasco, maybe it was a year ago or more, uh, of uh, America leaving Afghanistan and leaving the civilians that work with America there that or been left to the will the the will of the Taliban now they they they're probably going to be they were probably killed 
for being collaborators with the Americans, the devil, right, the Satan, the big Satan, uh, we, we saw that, you know, people see, oh, you know, you can't depend on America. They can just pick up and leave. They don't have your back. They promise that they do. And they promise that they do because there's some type of deal. They want something from you. And they say, in, you know, let's work together and we'll have your back. And so people say, okay. But then they see that, you know what? They don't necessarily have your back. Well, when, when, when Obama came to Jerusalem and conducted what he called a selection using Yosef uh, uh, Mengele's terminology, intentionally, of course, uh, to decide who can, who can uh, uh, participate in the, um, in, the, in the convention that he had. And at that convention, he said, he has our back. And then he went and did the deal behind our back with, 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 with Iran, the, the so-called nuclear agreement with Iran. So we know that Obama was, is a liar, was a liar, and remains a liar. We know that. Again, not just Israel. Everyone in the Middle East knows that. And if Obama is a liar, then Biden is much, much more so. All right. So uh, we've exhausted all of our topics. And time. And time. That's correct. Uh, so I just want to say here, uh, you, you did remind me, you wrote me a note here that I didn't see when I was saying it, but it's uh, Hadar Golden was the other soldier. It was uh, Aron Shaul and Hadar Golden. God bless I, I those two young that men. Hadar Golden's mother and brother are both friends of mine. Really? Wow. Yes. Give them our best. So their their bodies were kidnapped. There was an attack on an Israeli uh, where the soldiers were. They grabbed the bodies and took them th- down through the tunnels and into Gaza, and they've never released the bodies. It's just such an inhuman, vile, cruel thing to do. And they're holding on to, as I said, also another Israeli citizen of ours. And, uh, and the fact that we tolerate this, the fact that we don't go in there, is, again, in my opinion, Achilol Hashem is a desecration of God's name. And Mr. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, I pray that God gives you the wisdom and the courage to do the right thing, to protect the, the, the Jewish people and, uh, and to do the right thing and not say that, that their fate and our fate is in their hands. No, our fate is in our hands. God has given us the ability to be able to protect ourselves, to fight our enemies, to do the right thing. It's our choice, and we have to want to do the right and thing. And this, this also strengthens what I said before about not giving back the bodies of, of the Sarahs. There is no reason why we should give the Sarahs' bodies back to their families for making a big holiday out yes. of it and, and passing out candies. Yes. But, but we would bury the bodies because we're decent people. Uh, we, they may not go to the cemetery, be in the cemetery that their parents want them, but these people went to go murder innocent men, women, and children. They don't, they've given up, they've forfeited any human rights that they have because they're, they're not even humans anymore. That's my opinion. All right, everybody, you've been listening to the Tamariano Show here at Israel News Talk Radio. Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem, thank you so much for coming on the show and giving us uh, your take on things. And I'm sorry if I'm, if I'm a little bit upset today, but I was walking around the city, and I've, I've seldom seen people so angry as they were today. We'll say one more word very quickly, because I'm sure our listeners would be interested to hear. 
I'm saying I'm, I'm sp- walking around the city, just a uh, 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 person I met on the bus stop, person here, person there. People are really, really angry at what happened this past this past Shabbat. And they want to see this acts from four different directions all at once. This is totally unacceptable. Well, absolutely, absolutely. All it, right. It's much, much more than just just pardon me for the use of that word. Just people killed. It's much more, much, much worse than that. The the so-called Palestinian Authority needs to be decimated totally. Yeah, and you know what? We don't even have to do anything. It's it, it'll implode on itself. But we keep pr- pumping, you know, pushing it in the heart, giving it CPR all the time. Just let it go. It's evil. It's an evil entity. All right. I want to thank everybody for being with us here at Israel News Talk Radio. Next up is returning home and. Uh, You should return home. If you're Jewish, you should return home to the land of Israel and to your people. Thank you, everybody, for being with us. Thank you, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Manachem. Thank you for having me. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips with scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. Howdy, this is Rita from League City, Texas, now living in Israel. And though my heart may have belonged to Texas, it now belongs to Israel and all the fantastic show hosts at Israel News Talk Radio. Hi, this is Michael Solomon from Kiryat Darba, Israel. And why do I love listening to Israel News Talk Radio? Because I love listening to the interesting interviews they do and their news reporting that most other media sources don't cover. Hey, this is Nicoleco from Malmo, Sweden. It gets pretty cold here in Sweden, so I love cuddling up with a warm cup of tea while I listen to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, everybody, this is Frank Doris from Tennessee. Me and my dog Buster really love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. <laughs> You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 